Welcome for module number 21, Capacity. Welcome to the final module for Scriptures of the Spirit. I applaud you for getting this far. Well done. Whilst we're at the very last module of the program, please know your work has only just begun. To know the Scriptures is one thing, but to practice them requires your attention for a lifetime. You will encircle yourself with much more love, joy and well-being and bring a great happiness to your life if you continue to practice these teachings as a way of living. I thoroughly encourage you to do so. Capacity might sound like a strange word or concept to finish up on, but this is perhaps the most important of all the modules. This concept is far-reaching and all-encompassing. To help explain what I mean here, I want you to imagine a small child. Imagine it growing into an adult. Along the way, since birth, it has been told it is faulty. It has been told it is not enough. It has been convinced it is destructive. All the information it has ever come across has informed it that it is incapable. Its family of origin has struggled to nurture it to wholeness while being busy trying to achieve in other ways. It has become unwanted, a burden and faulty. Whether in sayings like, it is only human, or in spiritual teachings like comments that Earth, the home where it was sent, is the boondocks or backwaters of the universe, and the knowing it is being sent to this harsh place Seemingly as punishment, this child has been shown it is wrong. Sometimes it is even deemed intrinsically faulty by the religion it must atone to. It is not enough. No matter what successes it reaches in its life, the bar is always raised to a never-ending, unachievable outcome. It can never stop reaching. Here, with what it is created, it is never enough. This child has entered the world convinced it is full of conflict from its teachers before it, generations of others who feel they are full of conflict. As generations pass down this complete lack of power, it has been abused by those seeking to regain their power. Beaten, sometimes physically and often verbally, by those trying to extinguish any light and power it may have above others, this child has been held down through shame, all of its sacredness dishonoured. It has had any self-recognition labelled as ego and another example of its faulty state of being. It is being told to prioritise the external world, never being given permission for its feelings and experiences, always having to conform to a viewpoint of living that is marketed to keep the masses compliant. Feelings are wrong. Keep your eyes down. Don't relate. All the messages that keep the child isolated, whether on public transport or by their closer tribe, this child is not entitled to be seen. This child is faceless, a cog in the machine of materialism, irrelevant, unmet, unknown and invisible. It has learned to be empty, leaving space only for the sheer frustration and rage such an existence commands. Its birth story has been violent. Its life has been an assault. It is walking flesh in a world that does not care for sentient life. No one really cares for this child, as all others in the world care only for the pursuit of their own goals. This child lives on a dying earth where there is no hope for the future. In a dying environment, it is misled and directed to not pay attention to the problems it knows exist in the world. Instead, it is asked to be numb, to be compliant, to purchase and continue, numbed by the medication it takes, to try and feel some semblance of better. It is vacant, dead inside, murdered in so many ways until every facet of its experience contains no aliveness. This child is the human race.
We are the walking wounded. How could we not be with a beginning like this? Even if our childhood was absolutely perfect, we are still victims of the greater villains of our world, progress, money and acquisition. All of these things make most people continue along a pathway that is so detrimental to the self, it is actually damaging to the psyche to continue. Yet, compelled by debts that must be paid, we continue, despite desperately wanting to stop. It is time to stop. We must stop living this way. For the future of our world and life, we must realise our true capacity. Yet, how can we remember our true capacity? This story of our capacity I've just described is one that leads us to believe we can never be enough. We can never reach a place that allows us to feel content. We constantly seek but never find everything. We are left wanting. This tells us the capacity of the human race is to be not enough, inadequate, incomplete. This idea is very good for a society that is built on consumerism. After all, how else can they keep us buying stuff that we don't really need? Even the story of the planet being completely stuffed and that there is no hope of fixing anything gives us permission to abandon hope and continue consuming. This is a good outcome for those who benefit from that consumerism. The idea of our capacity being so limited to not be able to change anything causes us to accept problems and ways of being in the world that are unacceptable to us, but that we feel we can do nothing about. It gives us permission to stand by and watch atrocities that are something we cannot change or that we have no control over. They say ignorance is bliss, but actually believing our capacity is so limited could also be bliss for many. After all, who cares, right? With this attitude, we cannot bother caring. The planet can heat up, people can suffer, so long as we have enough money in the bank and are surrounded by enough stuff, we are doing okay and believe we are happy. Yet inside, these things do not fulfill us. The truth is we will never find real happiness unless it is based on our real capacity. Unlike this disjointed way of living, where we are disconnected from others and are invisible, our true capacity invites us to connect and relate. We are in deep relationship with all. We are seen and known. I remember two events that sparked this thinking for me. During my training as a spiritual reverend, I went through a ritual to mark my becoming. After sitting in sacred space with ancestors on a special knoll overnight, I was guided to come down off the mountain to a series of more than 40 present embodied humans who were genuinely celebrating me. I had completed my training. I had stepped more into walking my prayer than ever before. These other present loving humans were seeing me, witnessing this moment for me, not because they gained anything, but because they wanted to. They were actively seeking presence as a practice too. To be met this way, we realize we are valuable. Our life is valuable. Our journey is valuable. We are not apart, but are connected with others. We are part of the world. I felt the same way when my whole family came together for the first time since my parents divorced for my university graduation. At that time, I was the first child in our family to go through university and complete a degree. My father pulled me aside at the end of the ceremony and looked me dead in the eye with full presence and said, I am so proud of you, Avril. This moment recognised my achievement. It allowed me to be witnessed. It connected us. Although I was only 18 at the time, it completely healed all of the past hurts in my relationship with my father. A single moment of recognising I was living to my capacity brought so much healing. Have you ever had a moment in your life where someone has held space for you like this? Maybe when you won an award or when a family member sat in full presence with you. Maybe a friend noticed something you did. Maybe you've had a moment like this with your child. Have you ever done this for others? 
where you recognised in a moment they were living up to their true capacity to be the very best version of themselves. This is the greatest gift we may give others. I remember thinking as I read Long Life, Honey in the Heart by Martin Preachall how it was such a shame that in modern day life we did not have the capacity to be witnessed like this. I highly recommend you read this story. It describes how an outsider comes into a village life and what it teaches him. What I took from this reading was how it is through society and community we discover our capacity. They do say relationship is the mirror of your consciousness, but sadly, mostly, the mirrors we look in that others are holding are damaged and cracked. Then we only see a tortured image of ourselves being reflected by another who also feels tortured and broken. This is why we must surround ourselves with sacred others who are also moving towards true capacity. Then the mirror being held is luminous, and whilst it shows us our flaws, it also shows us how to see them in light. You require a village of people in your community who hold you up to your capacity and measure you against this. This doesn't mean they judge you, it simply means they see you for your potential. This potential is not in becoming something you are not. It is born from accepting what you already are. So in the book's story, he finds his place in the tribe. He discovers his uniqueness. He is celebrated for this. It doesn't mean the journey to this knowing isn't bumpy and confusing sometimes, but we always stay aware we are on a journey to remembering. Do you presently surround yourself with people who are conscious of capacity? If not, I suggest you seek others out. As one of my elders said to me, the time of the lone wolf is over. What she meant was that the next part of the journey for all in the human race involved connection to each other to deepen into the next level of our understanding of our capacity. Apart from surrounding ourselves with sacred others who understand, we need rites of passage to witness the journey from an embodied place. Each step towards self-actualization must be marked with an occasion. We do this for weddings and death, but not much else in our mainstream society. Could we celebrate seasonal solstices? Could we make every sunrise and sunset an occasion? Could we celebrate the first menstruation of a young woman? In some Aboriginal tribes, the young boys were taken away from girls for a number of years to learn how, from other men, to channel their sexual energy into productive energy so they would not rape or be violent. In sacred times, they were taught how to be real men. Obviously, from the abuse of women worldwide, we desperately need this kind of rite of passage again so men can realise their true power and potential to be caretakers rather than just takers. I saw a wonderful man at the Uplift Festival at Byron Bay, Dr Arnie Rubenstein, who was doing something similar for modern boys taking fathers and boys away to practice sacred men's business, which used to be the ways of the ancient ones to realise one's capacity. Not everyone has access to a modern-day outward-bound school or the opportunity to be witnessed. Instead, we are walking wounded, never seen or known. This is the cause of much of the desecration in and of the world at this time. We are powerful beings actioning the distorted version of ourselves that is broken and furious. But it could be a very different story. If we were nourished to realise our capacity from the beginning of our lives, this, I believe, is the key to a worldwide positive transformation of all things. Imagine now a child who was known and witnessed. From conception, this child will be recognised as a soul that was both sacred and also the vessel within which it resided was sacred. Mothers would be celebrated and honoured during pregnancy as life givers, revered and taken care of with the gentlest of nurturing. Other women, not men, would help this woman have all of her needs met 
so when the child was born, it would be born into beauty and nourishment. At birth, the entire village would celebrate, welcome and love the child. They would naturally do this because they had already been so involved in its beginnings, since the mother had the child in her womb. The mother would be given time to recover where she would be required to do nothing else but feed the child her sacred milk. Others would support her, taking care of everything else that was needed while she recovered and bonded completely with her new little person. As the child grew, all in the village would know them. They would spend time with many, learning a vast variety of ways of being. All would see the child as their family, not external in any way. When one child hurt, the whole village would respond to solve the problem that caused it and nurture the child. This child would know they were important. They would have other children their age to play with. They would see how older children responded too. They would belong to a tribe yet never be invisible within it. Time would be spent with them as living well would be the only priority. No one in this tribe would be in the pursuit of a bigger television. Instead, they would be nurturing their children, collectively taking time. When one parent needed a rest, there would be another to step in and step up and help. All relations with children would be from energised parents and caregivers without the stress, tension or pressure of modern day life. In time, this child would find their role in the tribe, guided by the skills others had nurtured out of them. Individual ways of being that were unique to them could then be offered as their special contribution in the tribe. All skills would be recognised. All would be considered valuable. A seed gatherer would be no different from a recycler, a poet, a musician, father, mother or cook. The tribe would recognise the creative spirit was integral to happiness, not just the production of things for consumption. The tribe would value what nourished both physically in terms of good food, but also emotionally, mentally and spiritually in the pursuit of understanding and meaning. All else would be irrelevant. This child would know their value, and because they felt it inside, they would see this value in others. When one's own uniqueness is honoured, one cannot help but honour, see and celebrate the uniqueness in another. Celebrating the diversity they recognised in others, this child would be inspired by it. Feeling very safe and accepted as they are, this child would be deeply present, never trying to be anything they are not, allowing what is. They would be studying the ways of the world with excitement and aliveness. From this place of curiosity connected to all that is, which is always a byproduct of presence, this child's manifestation could create a massive gravity well, letting them have influence that was powerful and true to their beingness. This would mean the tribe would flourish in all ways that brought more life. In this magnetism of true abundance, they would have clarity and full consciousness, never able to bypass. This way of living would be like a faith, all listening to the within that in turn made all luminous. From this place, they would take responsibility for their community, respond to the mystery and all it informs them to action as they live a phenomenal story, aligned with the right polarity of the moment as required by the greater consciousness of all. They would be living divine capacity. Imagine if all in the world were like this. If these were in fact the children of humanity, imagine how this could shape our reality if we all lived to our capacity and reorientated our reality back to this map for our experience. Just imagine the effect on a global scale. How do you think it would change things? What would it change in the greater world? What would it change in your life personally? How would it have shaped your upbringing if the generations who raised you were like this? Spend time thinking about your own life deeply. Where did the flow towards capacity stop for you? These modules have been in order of that journey to capacity. 
Where did the journey stop for you? Was it one, making life the primary objective? Two, accepting diversity. Three, knowing safety through accepting change. Four, practicing presence. Five, seeing life as a study. Six, living aliveness. Seven, mastering gravitational force. Eight, co-creating influence. Nine, becoming a living being. Ten, realizing magnetism responsibly. Eleven, mastering the focus of clarity. Twelve, accepting the journey of consciousness. Thirteen, learning not to bypass. Fourteen, creating faith. Fifteen, recognizing luminosity in self and all. 16. Responsibly living as a co-creator. 17. Being part of a community. 18. Navigating the mystery. 19. Living a good story. 20. Staying true to the momentary polarity. Or 21. Being your capacity. If this was your development as a child, think about how you have evolved through these like steps at different ages. What was your most blocked along the way for you? What didn't you learn? What did you learn? You may also feel like you are still evolving through these stages. Another way to look at the scriptures is by using the chakras as a map. There are 21 scriptures that all take you through the more simple and then the higher level understanding of each chakra. So in the base chakra, we make life the primary objective then we co-create influence, then we recognize luminosity in self and all. In the sacral, we accept diversity, then we become a living being, then we live responsibly as a co-creator. In the solar plexus, we know safety through accepting, we realize magnetism responsibly, then we can become part of the community. In the heart, we practice presence, We master the focus of clarity. Then we can navigate the mystery. In the throat chakra, we see life as a study. We accept the journey of consciousness and we live a good story. In the third eye, we live aliveness. We learn not to bypass and we stay true to the momentary polarity. And in the crown chakra, we master gravitational force. We create faith. And we become the being that is living our capacity. Our base chakra guides us to the capacity of living, really living. Once we know we are alive, we can find what we are here to influence and do with great luminosity. However, if we do not see life as the primary objective, we will never realize the amazing influence we can have and our life will remain dull and arduous. Our sacral chakra teaches us the capacity of relating. Our first lesson there is accepting diversity. People think differently to us. We are not all the same and that in fact makes life beautiful. When we relax into this knowing we can just be with what is rather than trying to change it. This helps us live responsibly taking care of our own energy instead of trying to control others because we do not accept their differences and want them to be the same as us. Our solar plexus chakra teaches us the capacity of feeling safe in ourself. This comes because we realize the flame of self is always changing as are the fuels that make it burn. We master the navigation of magnetism because we know how to let ourselves burn brightly enough but never burn out. Then we can be part of community, allowing true relating without fear of harm or harming by using our magnetism for negative outcomes for ourselves or others. The heart chakra teaches us presence. Here we learn that our true capacity has great clarity when we focus and at the same time that when we let go of focus, we can navigate the mystery and let all flow down to us. Like a deep breath flowing in and out, we are the breathing universe experiencing itself. The throat chakra shows us the capacity of the movement of energy. Life becomes the study of consciousness and we live a supreme story of wonder. When this is blocked, we shut down consciousness, learn nothing and live a terrible story.
The third eye brings the capacity of seeing aliveness, allowing it to be as it is and not bypassing or judging anything as good or bad. In this way, we action what needs actioning, and we are one with the yin polarity when it needs to be recognized and experienced. When we shut down through bypass or force rather than flow, we feel dead. The crown chakra teaches the capacity of our true gravitational force. We build faith by seeing outcomes we have co-created. We recognize it is a process and that we are on a journey to self-realization. We are living capacity. Our capacity is divine. If we are truly accepting of this statement, then we realize that beneath the surface of all the other stuff we have been taught about ourselves in the world, we are at our core, the capacity of true divinity. We are each sons and daughters of the divine spark that is life. There could be nothing more luminous than this light. This is who we really are. I love this quote from Marianne Williamson. Change the word God to whatever word feels right for you. Her quote says, Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, talented, fabulous or gorgeous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God within. It is not in some of us, it is in every one. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. To accept that we are truly divine, really, that every single part of us, from the cells in our body to the hair on our head, the feelings, thoughts, our soul, all of it is divine, is a big leap for most people. It's why spirit guides appear as separate beings to begin with. After all, if when you began your journey you met your spirit guides and thought they were pretty divine and wise, and then were told they were actually you, you probably wouldn't have believed it. The worldwide conditioning that says we are not divine has limited our perception of our capacity. What if we stopped walking in the world as damaged? What if we understood we were not broken, wrong or not enough? What if we let go of living as the wounded? What would that look like? Really think about it. What wounding story do you carry? How does that shape your reality? For me, I had profound realizations on this level nearly 20 years ago. I'd been through an enormous amount of therapy to heal my childhood trauma. I'd read thousands of self-help books. I'd researched how to be better, yet I still did not feel it on the inside. I felt like that little girl who was abused, who was nearly murdered, who was abandoned, who was broken. No matter what I knew about how things could look different from others I had read from, I still saw out of that wounded little girl I felt I was. I responded from this capacity. My thoughts and the story I told myself about my capacity to be only this wounded individual limited me from moving beyond it into my true capacity. And then I had a moment, a single moment, where I realized in that moment that I had a different capacity. It came when I was in the throes of a horrible experience where a teacher I deeply respected was psychically attacking me. I'd always put this person up on a pedestal, so when they came crashing down off it, the pain was immense. However, in that moment, I realized we all had capacity. We could choose what that capacity was. Its definition was entirely up to us. Then I thought about what my capacity actually was. Being divine was a choice. Acting divine was what made us divine. It wasn't something you could think into being. Your capacity can never be realized by thinking about it. You must live it for a while to see if it's possible. 
Like you, I had had so much encouragement from my spirit guides. They told me I was lovable. They cherished me. They showed up. They supported me like the child in the second experience I described previously. I felt like a child growing into a world that was loving. They showed me I was worth that, that I was deserving of that kind of love. To be seen in our beauty, to be known as that capacity and to be witnessed in it by beings I was never able to hide anything from was so moving. They knew me, totally, and they still thought I was worthy. This led me to believe I had the capacity beyond my understanding. They gave me a reputation to live up to. Consider this for yourself. What reputation do you give yourself to live up to? Do you believe that your reputation is the wounded person? Is this the capacity you feel limited to? Has anyone in your life, be it a physical person or a spiritual energy, ever insinuated you could have a different reputation? What was it? My guides told me I was to become the candle of hope that burned brightly through all worlds. For the next 20 years, I became that. My work shifted not only this dimension, but others that were also taking the same giant leap ahead. I didn't know I had the capacity to do that until I did it. Your capacity is the same. Whatever inspirations you have received, try them on like clothing you get dressed up in. Try on the role. Work with it for a time. See how it feels. Experience it fully. Fake it until you make it. Like me, you'll probably realize that you are capable beyond anything you ever imagined before. When I started teaching, I saw how these guides I was introducing people to set the space for the realization of capacity for all my students. It wasn't based on any conditions. It was unconditional. It didn't matter who the person was, what they knew, how much work they'd done on themselves. This love was present. This helped me to understand it wasn't just me that had some special capacity. It was all of us. No matter where we came from, what we believed or our background, this spark of potential was inside all of us. Over time, I realized that these spirit guides were in fact just mirrors of the individual's capacity being reflected back upon them. This was why, in time, as people accepted their divine capacity, they no longer knew guides as separate beings and experienced the world as a singular place with the brilliance of oneness sown through it. Now I see this capacity in each person, in a flower, in the trees as they dance. I see it in you. My actual job description is so simple. I just help people to realize the capacity they've always had. So, what is your capacity? Well, here is how I have seen it. You are a spark of the life force. Like an orgasm, you burst forth into this world as pleasure, from pleasure and love. You are loved into being. You are the big bang of erupting consciousness. Inside your biology, you have billions of years of intergenerational knowledge, right back to the first forms of existence in our universe. Emotionally, you store the epigenetic knowledge of your ancestors, so you know emotional mastery like a pro. Your spirit is so luminous, it is visible beyond this realm. Like a star, you shine out to the edges of your space. You are brilliant and you twinkle in your own unique way. And just like a star when it is viewed, you are seen the way you are because of the space dust between you and your viewer. Your mind is that viewer. Either your light is brilliant and untarnished or you create a lot of mental space dust between you and others to dim yourself. Either way, you have the capacity to reduce or enhance your experience based on what you mentally believe. If you have this kind of capacity, then you truly are God, Goddess. You are the divine creatrix of your experience. There is nothing about your soul that is any less perfect or brilliant than that star. You are flawless, a miracle of life experiencing itself. 
Whenever you feel less than this, you have forgotten your capacity. You shine, dear one. You exist in a sea of universal void surrounded by other stars, part of a family of consciousness to which we all belong. You are great beauty. You are visible to the universe and you are an integral part of it. There is absolutely nothing the knowledge inside of you cannot help you do. You are limitless, completely capable, unending and all-encompassing. Your wisdom exists in each cell within you. It is part of you. It is never outside of you and it always belongs to you. You are in a process of remembering in this lifetime both the wisdom and the beauty that you are. This wisdom and knowing does not make you separate. It connects you to the larger family to which you belong. You are the brother or sister to all other forms of life. These are your kin. It doesn't matter what form they are inhabiting. Whilst each takes their place in the world, experiencing from their point of view, we all contain this creation spark. We are all animated because of it. No one can take your spark, nor your capacity. No matter what has felt dark and limiting in your past, no matter how many people have harmed or hurt you, no one can take away the vastness of you. You are untouchable and indestructible. Nothing defines you or your capacity except you now. You are here now overseeing the changes to this dimension as a co-creator. You are waking up and remembering who you are because you have some contribution to offer. You have known you will make a difference and no matter what you do or end up doing, your mere presence in this world offers a wake-up call to all you encounter to become their capacity also. There is nothing you need to do, just be who you are. Who you are is enough. Who you are is beautiful. Who you are is divine. What if you remembered your capacity? How might it affect your life? In an argument, you would always see others' capacity. When two divine beings are relating, it is very different than when two wounded humans relate. Consider this. A wounded dog will bite you if you come near and it feels scared. Humans are the same. When we respond from our wounded place, we are horrible to each other, defensive, scared. We attack one another. If you've ever had a soul coaching session with me, you'll know how it feels when two divine beings relate. This is the space I hold for our conversation. I see you in your true capacity. Think back to our sessions if you've had them or experienced something similar with another. How have they felt different for you? There is no grappling for power in these experiences. There is a position where all are lifted by the moment. I often hear from lightworkers who are exhausted by their work. This is because they are not responding from capacity to the capacity of others. We are all raised when this is our platform of relating. Don't be above others. Your capacity is vaster than this. Be with them in the sacredness of where they are. Love them here, even if it's not your place. Then return to your right place of being so you always operate from your capacity. If a person angers at you, ask them why they are hurting. Don't take it personally. It's not about you. It's about their journey to their capacity. If a person attracts what for you seem to be less than conscious experiences, don't judge them. Love the fact that they are taking their own path up the mountain of remembering and encourage them along the way. Remind them they are in a process. Believe in their ability to get there, wherever the right there is for them. In your work or relations, whatever they are with others, could you try and operate from the capacity I communicated above? If you're as brilliant as a star and perfect in every way, how different would the conversations and experiences you have be? If you saw others as completely divine at their core and having a sometimes messy moment along the journey of remembering their divinity, 
would you relate differently? Think back to some recent examples in your life. You can see your capacity so clearly by being present with others. We don't need to avoid others or feel like we've outgrown them. We are all stars in the void of the universe. Whilst the third dimension implies a linear existence, we are not travelling from here to there. We are everywhere, now. This is a true definition of the journey. It doesn't go somewhere. It is, now, in this moment. So savour the moments and know they are perfect for you and others. The key to truly experiencing our capacity is also no more self-analysis. Self-analysis is mental. The mind is merely meant to record what the spirit, emotions and body experience. Don't lose the experience by staying in the mental analysis that has become so popular in personal development at this stage in human life. Analysis can also affirm what we don't want to get stuck in. Often we are so busy trying to be something else, we continue to inform ourselves we are not already capable of experiencing our capacity. When you go to a psychologist, make sure it is because you are remembering your brilliance. There is nothing wrong with you. Don't let your sessions become affirmations of your lack of experiences that label or define what is wrong with you. We are all in the process of becoming one with our true capacity. Our sessions with helpers should always operate from this vein. Who we are today will not be who we are tomorrow. Have a label for a moment, but not for a lifetime. I get a real bee in my bonnet when I hear of past life regression helpers telling people that they will always have an issue in this life because of some past karma they are paying for. I also have a big problem with psychologists who hand out antidepressants, labelling their clients as depressed or mentally ill, and tell their clients they can never move beyond what they are experiencing because it's just the way they are. I'm so saddened when I've heard teachers say to someone that they don't have certain skills, so they never try and see what they're really capable of when they do possess them. I'm mortified by parents that limit the capacity their children feel capable of. You can be anything you decide to be in any moment. You can be whatever you accept you have the capacity for. That is the nature of quantum reality we are all experiencing. You decide what you are and what you aren't. When you change your mind, another reality is true because you have collapsed that possibility into your reality. It's like ordering the reality you choose from a universal store. You download or imprint that new way of being into your life. You have unlimited downloads and no one gets to choose what you download. Each download replaces the last. Because this is the fundamental nature of our reality, you are truly unlimited in your capacity to be anything you wish. Remember that you filter your capacity by how you see yourself, especially if you perceive some part of you is fixed. Some people work on themselves and continue to do so for years. They are trying to end their faults, yet they keep looking for faults, so that's what they always find. Lawyers always notice injustice. Counselors always find emotional trauma. Healers always see what needs to be healed in the world. Teachers always find knowledge. What we look for, we find. So if we are looking for our wounded self, we are sure to find it everywhere. If we are looking for our capacity, the same is true. Make sure whatever self-help journey you are on, it is to find your capacity, even with your faults. I love finding treasure in my messes. I hope you felt that over the course. What we perceive as dark moments, faults, bumpy parts in the pathway we are travelling are really just opportunities to find ourselves in our greatest capacity. Your capacity is vast and omnipresent, and it is revealed even in the awkward moments that seem far less than divine. This makes those messy moments actually just as divine. They are part of the unfolding beauty you are as you unwrap each petal to blossom. 
I also witness the endless pursuit of self-analysis without actioning to be detrimental. Most often, to realise our capacity, we have to action something to see that of which we are capable. You can talk to a therapist for years, but if you choose not to put the bottle down, you'll never get over alcoholism. If you continue to hide yourself away socially and say no to all invitations, you will not make new friends. If you eat bad food that does not nourish you, you will feel as toxic as the food you eat. Action creates experience. Self-analysis does not create experience. Action your divine capacity in the world. You might ask, how could I act here if I was acting or actioning my full capacity? Of course, this will look like a different answer depending on what you think your capacity is. So what is your capacity? Take some time and write it down. Revisit it often, at least once every six months. Rewrite it and mark the dates. See how it grows with your understanding of your potential. If you have trouble answering this question, ask your spiritual guidance to show you. Meditate on it. What does your capacity look like? Ask for the definition of it. One way you may choose to action your capacity in the world is to stop planning. Stop having goals. Stop creating a step-by-step plan, which is really a mental roadmap for things your mind doesn't understand anyway. Your mind will never fully grasp the full omnipresence of your soul and why it does everything it does. That is part of your great mystery. I don't mean to say that you shouldn't want to improve some things in your life that you feel might help you live more of your capacity. For example, you might want more abundance or more specifically the feeling of security you think this abundance might bring you, but don't plan every step of it out. Instead, let inspiration step in and show you the way, each step of the way. Stay present. This helps your capacity guide you more easily. For example, one of my focuses was wanting to have a better social life. Living in an isolated way on a mountain, I felt that both for myself and my son it was important to create connections with other mothers. So he has playdates and I have some support for mothers who are also experiencing the amazing journey of motherhood that sometimes feels confusing and isolating. After I had this feeling of hope, a heavy machine driver I hired to fix up my driveway told me I should be his wife. It turns out she's a medium as well. We clicked beautifully and have been friends for a couple of years. She's also a very conscious individual. We both operate on a day-to-day planning schedule. She has three kids, so is often trying to balance all of their needs, and this cannot be planned. I experience the same presentness in my actioning of my work and motherhood life, so we're both listening to the moment, not ever making a plan. So many times we've arrived at the same place at the same time to help our children have fun there without ever planning to meet up. We always laugh when it happens because we've both been inspired that morning and feel so grateful when we get a chance to catch up like this. Awesome moments that are sourced from divine inspiration will happen, whether you've planned them or not. Don't waste your energy planning when you could just be enjoying. Do you plan a lot? Does it help you to feel relaxed and free, liberated and in flow? Or does it make you majorly stressed out when things don't go exactly as you've planned? Do you think you embody your full capacity by endless planning? When two beings are operating as their capacity, everything is taken care of without the need for planning or mental organisation. This is the beauty of capacity. It makes things easier when we realise we do not need to control anything. We just look out the window of the car of life, feeling hopeful to see something, and because we are looking, we see it. Biologically, we are geared to do this. Our reticular activation system notices what we choose is relevant. It guides us to the capacity we anticipate without us having to think about it. In relationships, knowing one's capacity can be helpful. If you have trouble responding with love to another, Ask your spiritual guidance to show you their divine capacity. You will relate to them entirely differently once all the space dust is out of the way between you. One of the most important ways we can act the capacity we are is through no more self-harm. Self-harm comes in many forms. 
If we are not looking after our body's needs, airing our emotions, placing our mind into the job of reporter only, or honouring our spirit, these can be moments of self-harm. If we take actions for others above the care of ourselves, we are self-harming. Capacity shows us there is enough for all. We do not need to provide for another what they can provide for themselves. If we think we have to do this, we are not seeing their capacity or ours. Consider this. Are you allowing your capacity by taking care of the four counterparts of your soul? When we are caring for ourselves, we naturally care for others as well. If we harm others, we are not acting from capacity. I love that saying, no tree has branches foolish enough to fight amongst themselves. It is so true. Trees are wise and they act from divine capacity. Only when we are antagonized within do we have conflict with others. We only feel like harming others when we feel harmed ourselves. This action is a response to not realizing our capacity. If we accepted our divinity, it would be impossible to harm another because we would never feel harmed in the first place. After all, you can't harm something that is indestructible, so the response wouldn't ever be triggered. It simply wouldn't be in us to do so. We must act divine to be living as one with our true capacity. Let me clarify what I mean by this. Acting divine doesn't mean that we are perfect from the human standards we have created all the time. We will not be ecstatic all the time. We will not have capacity for kindness and compassion all the time. Even the universe has black holes and sometimes our emotions will feel a bit like this. Capacity is evolving. Evolution requires changing states. We cannot be in one form all the time. This is why consciousness has so many beings to experience itself in. Just being one thing would be stagnant and not allow us to grow. The same is true for us. Acting divine is about acting with presence of our present capacity, being accepting of this, taking responsibility for this. This may mean we need to apologize. We might make mistakes. We may need to clean things up now and again. This is okay. Divine does not infer perfection. Divine is honoring life acting with love for ourselves and others, and bringing the light of understanding to all things, as and when we can. Acting in alignment with our capacity means we are allowing ourselves to grow, but are not overly obsessed with this, at the expense of being in each experience. We are in fact, like this later nurtured human, growing into the world with all the teachings of the scriptures of the Spirit, this is an evolutionary process. Sometimes it is messy. The chaos after the Big Bang was immense, yet a new universe was born that fostered so much life. After a sun emits light for billions of years, it may become a massive explosion that obliterates all it has given life to before something new is created out of the energy. Nothing stays in the same form. Capacity requires us to accept that we are always changing. We are the evolving universe. We are not evolving from something bad into something good. We are always just evolving into something different from this. Acting divine, acting as capacity, means we are allowing this evolution, but also are not obsessed with it. If we are too focused on where we are going, we'll lose track of this moment. In this moment, we only know our capacity here, now, in this point of our journey. Consider whether your evolving is more important than your present. Some become really overwhelmed with the journey of progression and getting to enlightenment. This stops us from being present and calling upon our full power and understanding through the really challenging times. Often this creates a feeling of being overwhelmed by what is. If we are fully present in the moment, even through the difficult moments, it will always feel 
that we are only given what we can handle. So acting divine also means we are deeply present and loving towards ourself. However messy our being is, this is okay. We recognise it is a process of our journey to deeper understanding of our capacity. Deep self-acceptance and self-love becomes the practice of capacity. So this journey started with life and it ends with love. If you're old enough, you'll know what I mean. All beings realise the only truly important thing in life in the end is love. How much we feel for ourselves, how much we experience from others, how much love we seed in the world while we're here. Whether this is through children, projects, inventions, the only thing we leave behind is love. The only thing we really need on our deathbed is love. And if you've experienced the spiritual journey so far, what you may have noticed is that your spirit team, however they appear to you, are actually always trying to love you. This is their primary objective. Love brings life to you. By loving you, they love themselves more deeply. We can only give what we are. We can only learn more about our capacity through actioning it. Love is the outcome of capacity. When humans feel at capacity, they make love and make a human. They say love encircles the universe. However, I like to think of it as the thread that makes the fabric of the universe. It is the energy that binds everything together. It is the core of oneness. So if we are to truly emulate the capacity of the universe, which we are living and acting out, love is our thread. If we can weave it through all of our life experiences, especially self-love, then we will move forward with love being the connecting force that helps us grow to capacity, just like the universe. All conscious beings are centered in love. Just watch some dolphins playing and see the joy of love they experience. I've heard so many stories over the years from my clients where dolphins have gone out of their way to bring spiritually awakened humans out of danger in the ocean. They are emissaries of love. You are too. So play with love and life like a dolphin does, swimming with your pod, playing in the waves of consciousness you are exploring and having fun as you laugh your way through the currents of the ocean you swim in. Consider self-love an integral practice to advance your understanding of your capacity. Allow it to evolve with you. And most of all, please remember in trying to discover your capacity, that you are not trying to meet something you are not capable of. You are merely remembering what you are, what you have always been in a world that has forgotten. Grow in week one, two and three. Please spend time contemplating the questions that have most appealed to you from this module in week one. In week two, really observe yourself. Consider where you limit your true capacity by the reputation you choose to live up to. Watch yourself closely that week and see what reputation you are really living yourself. In week three, try on a fuller, more divine capacity. Act as if you are this and see what happens. If you're a student completing this module by the 18th of September 2019 in the Silver and Gold Streams, Please also take a moment to consider if you have any further questions for me about the class content before you submit your feedback this month. I want to make sure I give you every opportunity to ask any extra questions before the program's finished. And again, let me say how much I celebrate you for making it through to the last module. It is very hard to complete something. The fact that you are here and reading this is a tribute to your commitment to make the world more conscious, starting with yourself. I thank you for doing the work of remembering how glorious and beautiful you are. I hope you mirror this divinity you are to others. And I thank you for being part of the wake up this sacred reflection will offer the world. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I do hope you will revisit the modules when you are called to do so. They will speak to you differently depending on where you are in the journey when you read them. As you process and expand into your full remembered self, I would be honoured to support you further. 
If you feel you need this space help, please look at what sessions I'm currently offering that might meet you and help you unfold. I celebrate your becoming and look forward to assisting your unfoldment in any way I can in the future. Sending you luminous blessings for the journey ahead. May you walk as one with your brilliant capacity always.